Genesis chapter 16 this morning. I know my mom loves me. Uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you told me, Connor, your mom doesn't love you, I would just laugh at you. Uh, because I know that she loves me. Uh, there's, there's no doubt there. Uh, in fact, it's easy for me to tell that my mom loves me because of how she treats me. Uh, she wouldn't even have to tell me that, you know, Connor, I love you, and I would know because she takes care of me. I would know because of her actions, because uh, when I'm going through tough times, she'll reach out to me. She, she, cares about, uh, she cares about me personally, how I am. And it's easy to see. It would be ridiculous to claim that she does not love me. I know God loves me. In fact, I know that God loves every single person in here. In fact, it would be ridiculous to claim that God does not love every single person here as well as every other person on the earth because he showed it by his actions. He sent his son to die for every single person. He sent his son to take the punishment that we deserve. And it's so easy to see that God loves us. You read through scripture and it's clear from his actions. For people that claim that God does not love them, they clearly have not read about the God of the Bible. They don't know him. They don't know the love that he has already shown. This morning we're going to look at, I think, uh, just, we're going to look at the narration of Hagar. Uh, uh, the beginning of what we know about Hagar in Genesis 16. And we're going to read about a time when God reached out to Hagar. We'll easily be able to see that God loves her. And we'll see it through his actions. He won't even have to say, Hagar, I love you. We'll know that God loves her uh, by his actions. Read with me at the beginning of chapter 16. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go unto my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. We get a couple uh, familiar people at the very beginning of this chapter, Sarai and Abram. This is pre-Sarah Abraham, uh, Sarai and Abram. Um, at this point, Abram had been promised that he would have children. He would be promised that he would have an offspring, and his offspring would grow to outnumber uh, the stars. He wouldn't even be able to count his offspring, much like he couldn't even count the number of stars in the sky. But at this point, Abram's wife, Sarai, had not borne him any children. Uh, she couldn't bring him this, this promised child uh, yet, and it hadn't happened yet. So she decides to give her servant, Hagar, uh, as a wife to Abram. She thinks, thinks to herself, okay, well, maybe... If I can't have this child, and I know this child is promised to Abram, I'll give uh, Hagar over to him, and maybe this is how we'll have this child between us. This wasn't an uncommon practice at the time. Uh, if, if a wife couldn't have a child to give her female servant to the husband to have, uh, have a child and continue the line, that didn't make it right, 
But that was the practice. And so she gives Hagar, the servant, to Abram. Now, we're given a little bit of a description of Hagar here at the very beginning. It tells us that Sarah had a, had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. You read earlier, uh, just a few chapters earlier in the book of Genesis, and Abram and Sarai had spent some time in Egypt. Uh, and even, uh, well, not go through that whole story, but they were sent out of Egypt with many possessions. Uh, and they were sent away with, with livestock, and were even told they were sent away with male servants and female servants. I think it's likely that this is where Hagar came from. This Egyptian servant of Sarai that had been uh, sent away uh, with them out of her home country to go with Abram and Sarai and to uh, serve them. So Sarai gives over Hagar to Abram to have this child. And because this wasn't an uncommon practice, this is probably why Abram listens here uh, to her. Well, we're told... And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai in verse 2. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, uh, he took Hagar the Egyptian, we're told, her servant, or Sarah did, took Hagar, gave her to Abram, and he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on contempt with her mistress. They have this child. When Hagar has it, has the, has the child, it conceives. She looks down on Sarai, uh, her mistress, her master. Another uh, practice at the time, and another common view was that if you couldn't have children, clearly you must be cursed by God. And if you have children, you have found favor in the sight of God. Uh, because that was a common practice doesn't make it right. <laughs> but certainly a child was a blessing for Hagar, but for her to look down on Sarai wasn't good. It didn't make the situation any better. <laughs> she looked on her mistress with contempt. Uh, this word is, is belittling. It's looking down. Literally, it meant that Sarai was small in the eyes of Hagar. This, her master that once been over her couldn't have a child. Hagar has this child, and now she looks down at Sarai. Well, this doesn't go well. This frustrates Sarai uh, to, to see her servant look down on her. And so she goes to Abram and says, May the wrong done to me be on you. The bad thing that's happening to me right now, I wish it was on you, Abram. It should be. It says, I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. Abram, I couldn't have this child that you've been promised. And so, you know what? I conceded to give you Hagar. Maybe this is how we're going to have this child. And when she conceived the child, now she's looking down on me. May the wrong done to me be on you. That's, that's pretty selfish, right? That's the kind of wife you want. She looked down and she said, May the wrong be done to me, done to me, be on you. May the Lord judge between us who has done the wrong thing here, Abram. And notice how quickly Abram uh, just kind of disowns Hagar here. Abram said to Sarai in, in uh, verse 6, Behold, your servant's in your power. Do to her as you please. That's the kind of husband you want, right? Hagar's been given over to Abram. She's had this child. She was given over by Sarai to Abram to conceive a child. She has the child. She's, she's fulfilled the purpose that they wanted her for. And now Sarai is offended by the way she's looking on her. And Abram says, you know what? Do to her what you want. She's not my wife. <laughs> you know, she's, she's your servant. You do to her what you want. She's in your power. And we're told Sarai dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. This is, this is belittling. This is uh, abuse that Hagar went through here. 
Now, I want you to think back through what we read and think about this. Was, was Hagar consulted really in any of this? Do you think that, uh, do you think that Abram and Sarai uh, really cared how Hagar felt throughout this whole situation? She probably had a really, really uncomfortable, terrible life down in Egypt. That's probably why she was given away as a servant when the Pharaoh needed something to give to Abram and Sarai when they left. Now she's a servant of these two. When Sarai can't have a child, she takes Hagar. She gives him to this old man Abram to have a child. They have a child. She does what they want. And now Abram's disowning her. Sarah's looking down on her. She's angry with her. And Abram says, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> you do to her what you want. She's in your power. And so Sarai does what she wants. And she deals harshly, harshly with her. She abuses her. And she, she belittle, belittles her and humiliates her. And so she does, Hagar does, what I think any of us would want to do. She runs. She gets away. No one has cared about her at this point. We're not told that anyone considered what she thought. And you can say, well, she was a servant, Connor. That didn't make it any easier. The fact that she was, she was tossed around and used like this. Maybe she made a bad choice of looking down on Hagar. Yeah. None of this was easy for her, though. And she was abused, and so she flees. <laughs> no one has cared about her. No one has considered her in decision-making. It's been uncomfortable. It's been an unpleasant situation. So she runs away. And I, you may be able to relate to that feeling. Maybe not this exact same situation, I hope. But maybe, maybe you have felt at some point in your life so beat up by the world and sin. You have felt so... Uh, uncared for by the people around you, maybe used by the people around you. And you don't have the answer to this, so you just feel like you should run. You just want to get away from the situation altogether. Uh, you feel like there's no one there for you. No one cares about what you think or what you're going through, and so you run away. This is where Hagar is right now. She fled because no one cared about her, uh, so she thought. Read on with me in verse 7. She's run away into the wilderness, and it says, The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Be'er Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. Hagar had fled because she was in this awful situation where her masters did not care about her. Her husband disowned her and gave her away to the power of his, of his other wife. And so she's run away and the angel of the Lord finds her. I am so thankful that we have a God who cares about us 
uh, when, we're, when, we're, when we're running away and we're astray. We have a God that cares about the situation we're going through. No one else around Hagar cared. Uh, they, uh, we're not told here that Abram and Sarai spent time searching for this servant who had run away. <laughs> we're not told here that they, uh, that they were worried about her when she was gone. Instead, what we're given is an account of when the Lord reached out to her. Now, I think it's interesting because you look through verses 7, uh, 7 through 13 or 14 there, and you see uh, these different ways that, that God acts toward Hagar. And really, there's some words here that are used uh, that some really more words we would describe humans with. Um, often, God is described with more human characteristics so that we can even start to grasp his just infinite character and how amazing he is. But as you look back, there's three different times here that a, a way God is described, I think, and we see his love so clearly. And the first is in verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar in the wilderness. Now, we step back and we say, well, when did he lose him? <laughs> you know, when did the Lord lose Hagar, lose track of him, and have to, you know, send this messenger of the Lord? God never lost track of Hagar. God never was unaware of where, you know, where she went or where she was going. But we're told here, specifically, the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. So if this doesn't tell us that he lost her and then found her again, what is this telling us about God and, uh, and this, this, the messenger he sent? What this tells us is that God reached out to Hagar. God took some initiative here to, to reach out to her and care for her. God took the time to find Hagar in the wilderness when no one else was going to go find Hagar. No one else was going to go look for her, but the Lord found her. He said the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Again, God knew where she was going, right? The Lord, this, this angel of the Lord didn't, he knew where she was coming from. He knew where she was going. He asked this question I, to, to put it on her mind. So right, her, Hagar, stop and think, what are you doing? Where are you right now? Well, what, what's, what's the plan here, I think? I think this is the angel asking her, you know, what? What's your plan? You're, you're running away, and then what? She says, I'm fleeing from my mistress Sarai. She's treated me terribly. Abram disowned me. He doesn't care either. So I'm running. I'm getting away. This first description, the angel of the Lord found her. Mankind is lost. Mankind is is wandering. We're in a position where the world has, uh, sin has abused humanity. Sin has, has, has beaten us down. We, we get into terrible traps and hurt ourselves because of our own sin, and the sinful people around us hurt us, and we're abused, and we don't have really any answer to that other than to run and maybe distract ourselves from the problem <laughs> and to get away. But though we're lost and we're, we're straying like sheep that don't have a shepherd, God found us. God reached out to us. God took initiative. When the world couldn't help us and wouldn't help us if they could, God found us in the wilderness. God found us in the lost, and that's why he sent Christ to die for us. That's why he sent the sacrifice, because we weren't insignificant to God. 
Because though we were wandering and we don't have really any plan where we're going and what we're going to do about the issue, God saw us, he found us, and said, I know exactly what you need. And he sent Christ for us. In fact, he had prepared Christ before the foundation of the world because he knew we would be lost and straying. And he knew that we would need him to find us. God has reached out to us like he reached out to Hagar because he cares, because he finds us significant and he values us. So he finds Hagar. Well, he tells her, after he says, I'm fleeing from Sarai. I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I know I'm running. I know I'm getting out of this situation. So the angel of the Lord also said, well, the angel of the Lord said to her in verse 9, return to your mistress and submit to her. You see, God had a different plan for Hagar. Hagar's plan was pretty short-sighted. Uh, she was going to run. And now she was out in the wilderness. And she's by herself, probably not told she went with anyone. She's out there. Uh, she doesn't really have any way to help herself out of this problem. But God had a better plan for her. And it was going to require some faith on her part, if you think about it. She has just fled this woman who has been abusing her and has fled this, this household that did not care about her. And now God's saying, you know, he sent this messenger and then said to her, go back. Go back to your mistress. Go back to Sarai and submit to her. This is the situation that I've put you in, Hagar. Go back to this. Trust me. Because he also tells her in verse 10, it says, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. This is a similar uh, promise that had just been made to Abram in the chapter before this. Abram was told his, his children were going to be so numerous he wouldn't be able to count them. And now we see here with Hagar, the Lord makes his promise I'm going to multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered from multitude. You won't be able to number your offspring. I'm going to bless you in this way. I'm going to build up your house. It's going to require you to trust me, Hagar, and come back and, and submit to Sarai. Come back to this household. Trust me, but I'm going to bless you. He tells her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Here we get this next, I think, great description of God's love. He has found Hagar, but he also listened to Hagar. We are so, so small compared to God. We are, we are just so incredibly small compared to the creator of the universe. There's no comparison there. He is, he is he's infinite. And yet, he listens to our affliction. God isn't, he's not deaf to what we're going through. God doesn't have a deaf ear to the, the pains that we face. He told her, you're going to have this son, you're going to call his name Ishmael, which means God hears, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. If we didn't have a God that listened to us, we would be in deep trouble. If we didn't have a God who cared enough about us to listen to what we're going through and to, to listen to us when we cry out to him, we would have no hope. We would have, we'd have nowhere to go, no, no plan, no one to help us. But the Lord listened to Hagar. He tells her, he's going to be this son of yours, Ishmael, God hears. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. 
his hand against everyone, everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. This is how it's going to be, Hagar. I'm going to give you this child. Uh, He's going to have some strife with the people around him. He's going to be a wild donkey of a man. If you're curious, I never want to be described as a wild donkey. That's probably not a good uh, good compliment for anyone. He's going to be a wild donkey of a man. His hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. The Lord found Hagar. The Lord listened to her affliction. He, he listened to what she was going through. Knew that she was facing pain and that's why he came and he found her. And then verse 13, Hagar responds to him. He says, So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. That was his name. You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. God saw Hagar. He found her. He listened to her affliction. And he saw Hagar. Again, we are are so small. And compared to God, our lives just seem so small. But God sees us. Make no mistake that when you're going through a difficult situation in your life, when you're facing pain, no matter how small you think it is or how, how big it is to you, and you may think that you're insignificant compared to the size of God and compared to his power, and though you are small compared to him, you are not insignificant to God. God loves you. God treasures you. God found you when you were lost, and that's why he sent his son to die for you. God heard your affliction. He hears the affliction of mankind, the, the, the pain that we go through because of sin, and it touches him, and he cares about us. And so he sent his son to die for us, and he sees us on an individual level. You go through your week, and you're surrounded by people uh, who maybe don't care about you. <laughs> and maybe you're surrounded by people who are going about their lives, and you're, you're not interacting, and, and they're sinful, and maybe they, maybe they abuse you like Sarai abused Hagar. And while it's easy to think, you know what, I'm, in this, I'm just a, one person in this whole world. I'm so insignificant. Know this, that God sees you. Know this, that, that God, God made you in his image. And he cares about you. And he cares about you so much, he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to die for you. Sometimes there's no bigger comfort than just knowing God sees us. We go through painful times where we're like, I don't have the answer. And you just feel like you want to run away from what you're dealing with. And to be reminded that you are not insignificant to God, it, it encourages me. It brings me comfort to know that what I'm going through is not a small matter to God. The affliction that I face because of sin is not a small deal. God cares about me, and God wants the best for me. I can trust him. I think Hagar realizes this. That's why she names him, you are a God of seeing. Maybe she's heard about these other gods, surely. Surely she has heard about other gods coming out of Egypt. But here, I have seen the God who looks after me. (laughs) No, No one else has been able to help me, but I find comfort in this God, Yahweh. She uses the personal name of God here, Yahweh. The God of the Jews, the God of Israel, he sees me and he knows me. So truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, it says in verse 14, the well that she was at is called Ber Lahai Roy. It's my best Hebrew I've got for you right now. Which means the well of the living one who sees me. This is where I met God and he came and he found me. And I found out that he sees me. 
while no one else does. Well, we, you read on in Genesis and you find that Hagar did return to Sarai and Abram. In fact, in verse 15, we see Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. I would have liked to have been in that conversation when she told him what the name would have to be. Um, called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And Hagar's story doesn't end there. You can, you can keep reading about her in Genesis. And this actually wouldn't be the last time that the Lord went and found her in the wilderness. Uh, that he went and reached out to her and took care of her and showed her that he was a God that loved her. Now, reading through this, could you say that God didn't love Hagar? <laughs> It'd be ridiculous, right? If he didn't love her, he wouldn't have found her. If he didn't have reached out to her, if he didn't love her, he wouldn't have listened to what she was going through. He wouldn't have seen her. He wouldn't have turned an eye toward Hagar, this lowly Egyptian servant who's running away from her household, but he does. In light of what God has done for us by sending Christ to die for us, there's no way you can say God doesn't love you. And in fact, you should take comfort in that, knowing that God loves you so much he sent his son to die for you. To deny that God loves you is, is foolish. He has clearly shown it. If you read your Bible and you, you spend time in it, you'll find he does indeed love you. Uh, and it's, it's a very clear, obvious thing. While we were dead in our sins, lost, enemies to him, God reached out to us. We hadn't taken the initiative in that situation. We hadn't reached out to God, but God knew we were lost and we needed a Savior, so he sent his son to die for us. And now, now that Jesus took the punishment on the cross, he's borne our sins, all God asks of us is to receive that gift. God's reaching out to us. He's found us. <laughs> he knows where we're, what we're going through. He's heard our affliction from sin. Now we just have to trust in him. If you're here today and you've never made that personal decision to trust in God, I hope reading this and I hope from the, the songs we've sang today, you'll know that God loves you. This world will cast you aside. This world will say, not mine. You know what? The world, do, do what you want to Connor. Mankind won't care about you. God values you. God loves you. And he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to receive this gift he's given to you. And if you'll just admit, hey, I need you, God, and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, the, the gift that he's given you, he will save you. And you'll have a God with you who hears you and sees you and knows what you're going through. And in fact, Jesus Christ, because of his sacrifice on the cross, has opened up this direct path to God where we can bring our burdens to him and we can share them confidently, knowing that uh, he has suffered as we have in the flesh, Jesus did, and he knows exactly how to take care of us and provide for us. I pray that you make that decision today before it's too late. He did give us the choice, and the alternative is to receive what you deserve, and it's an eternity in hell. But God doesn't want it that way. God loves you and he values you. And maybe you're here this morning and you've already trusted in Christ. <laughs> you already have that relationship with him, but you feel beaten down by the circumstances you're going through. You're, you're weary. And all you can think of to do is, is run, <laughs> is to get away. Take comfort knowing that you are precious in God's sight. Take comfort knowing that he's not looking over the pain you're going through, but he loves you. And he's willing to do whatever it takes for you to, to be blessed and to serve him. 
He wants to take care of you. Keep trusting in him.